Hey friends, welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast on the season of Advent. My name's Steve Weens and I'm a pastor and an author, but I'm also a Transforming Community alumnus from way back in 2011. As always, I'm alongside Transforming Center founder and my dear friend, Ruth Haley Barton, as we explore the themes of Advent as a season of transformation in which we invite the presence of Christ's light into the darkness. We invite you to listen to the scripture reading for this week from the Revised Common Lectionary, Cycle A. A reading from Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. A reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 96. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, The Lord is King. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it. Let the field exult, and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness, and the people with his truth. A reading from Titus, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all 
training us to renounce impiety and worldly passions, and in the present age to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly, while we wait for the blessed hope and the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He it is who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. A reading from Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, There were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Here we are, and we are in the season of Christmas tide, which is more than a day, and it's different than Advent. But help us understand, first of all, what is the season of Christmas? Well, it's so funny that we think of the season of Christmas as being all that comes before Christmas, uh, which is how it goes in our secular culture. But within the, the, you know, the, the world of our Christian calendar, Advent is everything leading up to Christmas. Christmas Eve marks the end of Advent and the official beginning of the Christmas season. And then we move into the Christmas season. And the Christmas season in the church is divided into two separate segments, The first six days, there's 12 days of Christmas, and the first six days are to commemorate the Feast of the Nativity, that is Jesus' actual birth, 
um, and coming into the world. And then the second six days is more about all the ways in which Jesus manifests himself, which culminates, of course, in Epiphany on January 6th. And so um, the Feast of the Holy Name happens on January 1st and, um, you know, celebration of the naming of Jesus and then the mystery of his presence here on the earth. So um, for those of us who are trying to follow the Christian calendar, it's a little bit different. And we actually begin celebrating Christmas as we move from Christmas Eve into Christmas. Yes. And I, this reminds me way back in 2011, 2012, when I was in a transforming community experience, the Advent CD was coming out, I think. And mm -hmm. it was like, uh, you were so excited and you asked someone to, to talk about it. And so this person got up there and the first thing they said was the transforming centers just released this great new Christmas CD. And you just about lost it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I did. You, you remember about... the oddest thing, oh, Steve. Well, <laughs> because I, I sort of knew, I sort of knew it as soon as he yeah. said Christmas. And so, um, and now we you're... have one that is actually Christmas tied. So you can move even musically, uh, from Advent into Christmas with music that's different because now we really are into the Christmas season and celebrating, um, you know, the birth of Jesus, the mystery of the incarnation, the naming of Jesus. And then of course it all culminates and the Christmas season ends and culminates on January 6th with Epiphany, which right. is all about the showing forth of Jesus into the world, all the ways in which Jesus' presence is now manifested in the world. And one of the questions I have about Christmas tied as a season, much more than Advent, because I can get into this, this longing and naming the things that I'm longing and even naming the darkness, naming that I'm waiting for the light. But there sometimes is a little bit of a disconnect for me when all of a sudden, no matter what else is going on in my life, no matter whether I'm still in darkness or not, uh, at midnight on December 24th, I have to flip into Christmas tide, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so uh, maybe my first question is, how does practicing the season help us live into it, even if we don't feel like it? Mm -hmm. Well, I think another question too, is that some of the areas in which we are waiting, um, they haven't, it hasn't all been wrapped up in a bow by the time we move from Advent to Christmas, right? Some of those yes. places of longing, those are still, they're still empty places. And interestingly enough, sometimes we even feel our emptiness most acutely during the time when we should, we feel like we should be the most celebrative, right? Okay. Yeah. It's Christmas day and you know, um, everybody's all excited. And yet those deepest longings that we've named may or may not have come to a place of being you know, fully met, or we might be still experiencing some of that emptiness. And so moving from Advent to Christmas tide becomes a movement of faith, I think, in our own lives that, that Jesus really is present. And the question of how is Jesus present with me now in this place, alive, you know, alive incarnate, um, the word made flesh and living among us, living with me in this place in my life that I've been naming as part of the faith that we move into as we move from Advent to Christmas. Thank you for, thank you for identifying it like that, like as a, as a movement of faith. And it, it just last night, uh, a friend came over and they had just celebrated an early Thanksgiving with their family. Mm. And 
and they texted and they said, Hey, you know, could, could we swing by? We just got done with the, with our family celebration and it it was dot, dot, dot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could we, could we swing by? And Mary and I said, of course, these are some of our best friends. Yeah. And one of the things they said was, wow, like I, I felt sort of sick to my stomach. We didn't talk about anything. We, mm-hmm. and so there was a sense of like, even with the people that you grew up with, that your family around the table, there was this deep sense of isolation and loneliness, yes. you know? And I think that's a pretty common thing. Uh, I know it yes. is. Oh, in, I, in I agree. Holidays. And I think um, like maybe we've had these experiences of driving down a beautiful street and somebody's curtains are open. You can see their tree and everything. And there's this feeling like, boy, they, they probably know how to do it better than we do. Yes, you know, totally. their Christmas is, is, is more meaningful. There's somebody out there who knows how to do it so perfectly <laughs> that it's just meaningful and wonderful. And, mm. um, and it's hard to name the fact that sometimes it just isn't. And that when all of it's over and all the gifts have been torn into and all the fancy, Uh, meals have been served and you're trying to put everything away, there's this feeling of, did I really connect with people? Did I really connect with the people I love? Um, Or did we just work hard and do stuff? You know, I think that that's a deep experience that many of us have at Christmas because the expectations are so high. And I think it's often hard for reality to live up to the expectations that are loaded onto this season. I agree 100%. And it it does increase the sense of defectiveness, I think. And you think that other people are nailing it. Other people yes. are... They're having are, better times than we are. Yes. Their family knows how to get together and say the meaningful things to each other. So everybody leaves with their hearts full, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, and the truth is, some years it happens, some years it doesn't. And, you know, sometimes even very painful things happen. As we yeah. sit together on these holidays, interestingly enough, of course, that you get us all together under duress and who knows what's going to happen, right? I know. Well, this is part of what I like about what you wrote in the Christmastide portion of this Advent um, brochure. And you write this, but life on our planet is hard. There's political unrest, economic uncertainty, civil wars, natural disasters, disasters, escalating violence, unresolved tensions between people and mm-hmm. nations, and it all demands that we move beyond the sloppy sentimentality to ask the question, what does the coming of Christ mean, if anything, in the face of it all? Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things I've always loved about you, Ruth, is you're not afraid to go there, right? And so um, let's... Let's talk about the coming of Christ. We've called it the third coming of Christ into our personal lives. But also let's, if we can, let's move to sort of cult, the cultural realities where I see people having just PTSD, at least yeah. here in the States, from mm-hmm. all the, I mean, we are living in a reality TV show uh, where yeah. every day there's new craziness. And the the second you think that it's as worse as it can be, it gets even worse. And so um, how do we stay connected to the Christ who always comes, to the Christ who comes even in the midst of, and especially in the midst of violence and chaos? Um, How do we stay connected to that Christ in this season where we're, we're past Advent, but we're into 
um, the feasts and the naming and you know, there's a sense that I want to say, wait a minute, like, can we pause in this season before we get too far ahead? Yeah. Wow. It is a season for, for great faith. And maybe, um, even in the midst of it all, and and I would even add one more word to all the stuff that's so hard. It's just the lack of civility in our culture here in the United States in particular. I think we've reached new lows in terms of the lack of civility among human beings, the lack of any sort of gracefulness or um, any goodness that's being kind of modeled for us at the highest levels of leadership is just so disillusioning. Um, and so it it feels to me like we have to be even more vigilant than ever mm-hmm. at looking for the tiny little places where people are being good to each other or um, people are being graceful, even in the midst of, of really hard conversations where we actually have conversations that influence us, us positively, where we have a mutual influence with each other, where where we're able to care about people that are different than we are rather than just dismissing them or um, arguing with them or trying to talk them out of their experience, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that there's almost a kind of vigilance now to say the presence of the incarnate Jesus showing itself, Um where it, where has the word that existed in God's presence, how, how is that word being enfleshed in my life, where I live, in my home, with my family, in my neighborhood, um, in, in the areas of life that the issues that really concern me? Um, where is there evidence of the word becoming flesh even in those places? Um, it's a deep faith and a, and a deep kind of vigilance to believe that Jesus really is there and can be seen and found. Hey friends, we'll get back to this week's episode in just a minute, but we wanted to take a quick pause to let you know that if God is stirring something within you about your own leadership experience, perhaps God is inviting you to join a transforming community. Transforming communities are practice-based spiritual formation experiences with nine quarterly retreats over the span of two years. The transforming community experience is really designed to integrate your spirituality and your leadership and help you to reclaim practices and experiences that spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. So visit transformingcenter.org slash transforming community to learn more and to apply, or just click the link in the show notes. Now let's get back to this week's episode. I uh, I was talking to a friend who works the 12 steps, and that's mm-hmm. her spirituality. So she refers to um, her higher power. And I, I just noticed that she was far more believing that mm-hmm. her higher power was really more powerful than she was and would really act to mm-hmm. save. Yeah. And I was just struck with, with that. Because I think just in my own life as a pastor for all these years and as a person living in the world that you just described, I, I, have, I have maybe lost a sense of hopefulness that the Christ will come and rescue. Mm-hmm. And certainly we all have our participation that we have to do. We have roles to play. But I wonder if part of celebrating Christmas tide is remembering that 
Christ does come. And, and yeah. even to, to like su- sort of to remember that we can still cry out to God to come in these moments where we are way, way, way past our ability to do mm-hmm. anything about it. That gives me some hope. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like I'm, I'm aware that sometimes that feels like just magic fairy dust or something. But I think there's I think that can even that that cynical attitude. Well, it's just fairy dust can keep us from doing the work that we need to do in this season. You know, yeah, like yeah. let's celebrate. There is a Christ who has come. There is a Christ who will come. This is the mystery of mm-hmm. faith. Christ has died. Christ has yeah. risen. Christ will come again. Right. And um, and you know, I wonder, Ruth, if you know this this um, poem that Father Daniel Berrigan. Um, includes uh, and that you've adapted. I, I wonder, I wonder if you would read that because um, I think it it hits all of this that we're just saying. Would you? Yeah. Uh, would you mind reading that? Yeah. And before I do, um, in what you were just saying, one of the things that I'm in touch with right now too is the fact that sometimes when we focus too much on the big picture of all that is wrong, we we become so hopeless that we don't even do our own small part, right. you know? We lose touch with the faith that if any one of us does something in Jesus' name that brings the nature and the person of Jesus into a moment, that it, it has the potential to change that little situation, but to have mm-hmm. ripples, you know, across the web of mutuality that we're all a part of. And yeah. I think that's a part of faith that... I want to to continue to hang on to in the face of so many big things that are wrong, that the small things that I can do to respond to Jesus in a moment, the small things that I can do to be Christ, you know, first um, Peter one, four talks about that we are partakers of the divine nature and that our own little actions done in Jesus name um, have the potential to change things and to have a, a ripple effect. So I think that's another part of my faith that I try to cultivate that, that even the small things that I might be able to do where I allow Jesus' presence to come forth in my life, in a moment, um, is a part of what it means for Jesus to come, you know? Yes. It's how Jesus comes in and through each and every one of us, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our um, in our churches, in any place where we have the opportunity to speak into a situation in our communities or to be active that some of the hope has to do with the fact that Jesus can come in and through us yes. as we're open to having his presence come through us. And I find that to be deeply hopeful as well. Thank you for that. I mm-hmm. agree. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for that reminder. Yeah. So Father Daniel Berrigan is a Jesuit poet and peacemaker. He He is deceased now, but he's written a poem that's called an Advent poem. And um, it's it's unflinching in its description of all the things that are wrong, but it's also um, completely faithful to keep naming the fact that the realities that we see in our world right now do not have the last word. So let's listen to this together. It is not true that creation and the human family are doomed to destruction and loss. This is true, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It is not true that we must accept inhumanity and discrimination, hunger and poverty, death and destruction. This is true. I have come that they may have life and that abundantly.
It is not true that violence and hatred should have the last word. This is true, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting, the Prince of Peace. It is not true that we are simply victims of the powers of evil who seek to rule the world. This is true. To me is given authority in heaven and on earth, and lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the world. It is not true that we have to wait for those who are specially gifted, who are the prophets of the church, before we can be peacemakers. This is true. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young shall see visions, and your old shall have dreams. It is not true that our hopes for liberation of humankind, of justice, of human dignity, of peace, are not meant for this earth and for this history. This is true. The hour comes and is now that true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So let us move from Advent to Christmas with hope, even hope against hope. Let us see visions of love and peace and justice. Let us affirm with humility, with joy, with faith, with courage. Jesus Christ, the life of the world. Hmm. I, I love that. I, I feel like that is right on time for me mm. um, and for us. And, um, and yeah. don't you think that hope itself could be our practice? as we move from Advent to Christmas, that we could practice hope, practice being hopeful and holding on to hope in the midst of some of the darkest realities that we're facing and see hope not just as an idea, but as a practice. That's what I want to do. I want to practice hope in the face of all the dark things and all the hard things and let that be an actual practice. I do too. And I think the way that I immediately thought uh, when you just said that is when I am tempted to catastrophize <laughs> a situation, a conversation that's coming up that I feel like there's no way it can go well, or a certain conflict that I'm in yes. that I feel like there's no possibility of getting out of this one, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or even just in the darkness. You know, we've been, um, you and I are both in seasons that are just mm-hmm. hard. and. Yeah. I can really, I, I can go pretty dark in in, mm-hmm. that, in those ways. And yeah, but, but the hard thing for you as a pastor, though, is that in the midst of that, you have to stand up and continue to pre- preach messages of hope. And I'm sure that's challenging sometimes. It's really yeah. challenging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, both of us have um, danced around certain seasons of difficulty. And I would say, and again, I, I have been a pastor for 24 years. It's going to be 25 this year. I have a sabbatical coming up oh, this you. next season uh, in 2020. Um, but I, as much as I love the idea of the church being Christ-embodied work in the world, I must admit that, and myself included, but I'm finding it hard to hope in this mm-hmm. collection of people that's yeah. called the church. There, there just is so much pain right now, yeah. and I feel like we're 
um, it, it's hard to hold the pain together mm. and move toward hope. It seems like we're oftentimes choosing out of our pain to project pain onto others, to transfer pain onto others, to sort of, rather than do the work of our own transformation, mm -hmm. myself included, listen, I mean, I am guilty as charged. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard for me to hope in the church right now. Mm -hmm. I, I think we are in a season of, of death and resurrection within the church. None of us knows what that really, really looks like. Mm -hmm. None of us knows what forms that can, that's going to take, but I think in the midst of the dying and before the resurrecting, there are some pangs of we're hurting each other. Right. And so, and, and we're not in general, it, well, the temptation is for us to um, stop being a place of welcome mm -hmm. to communities of people that really need to be welcomed, that have really been hurt by the church because we're so preoccupied with what we think, what we believe, the, the fights we're facing ourselves. And it's really, um, it's challenging. Yeah. It's challenging. Well, my heart, I find my heart just rising to that and just being really committed to pray for you and all pastors who are standing up in front of people this season, trying to yeah. bring the message of hope and incarnation in the midst of such difficult times within the church and within culture right now. So thank you for sharing that. And then, you know, you hope until there is no hope this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, the reality of heaven holds out great hope for even these things that feel like they're unfixable here on the earth, that I do know and believe that all things have been reconciled in Christ at the cosmic level. And we will experiencing we will experience that one day, even if we don't get to experience in this very short stint of our lives here on earth, that our hope is is even bigger than than what can happen here on the earth. It yes. might be that we wait for eternity, but that in eternity, um, all that isn't right right now, um, it's already um, been addressed in Christ. And so then I can I can be at peace here, knowing that what um, needs to be done will be done in the overall. So oh, yeah. that's a great hope for me too. Sometimes when things just on this earth they just don't work out exactly as I'd hoped. Yeah. Um, there's there's an even greater hope. Thank you for that. That's a great reminder too. As we wrap up the episode here, what are some other ways that we can stay in it during mm -hmm. Christmas tide? Well, there's this really wonderful book that I've loved for a long time called Living the Christian Year, Time to Inhabit the Story of God by Bobby Gross. And he has some ideas for staying in the Christmas mode uh, longer, um, all the way through January 6th, if you can. So I'm, I'm going to just give us some examples here because they're very practical. They're things that families can do together. And so I think I'll just offer these as some options, and then maybe we can each choose one or two that would help us to stay in Christmas mode all the way through the Christmas season to January 6th. So he suggests keeping your tree and decorations up until the end of the season on January 6th. Some people are moaning, I can tell. Oh, no, We're I love that. Just to get that tree out. But yeah, I do too. And one of the things that we've done is to take the ornaments off and just leave mm -hmm. it in more of its natural state. Mm -hmm. um, it's just very, it's very simple, but it's still there as sort of a luminous reminder of the fact that we're still in the season. Um, so I think keeping the tree up a little bit longer, uh, continue to light candles each night as a reminder of the light of Jesus Christ who has now come into our world. 
Um, and especially as we get to that, you know, the second part of Christmas Tide, where it's all about the mystery of the incarnation, and of course, all the way up till January sixth and Epiphany, where it's the the different ways in which Jesus' presence gets manifested in the world. So, light a candle each night as a reminder of the light of Christ that's come into our world. Um, host a leftovers party on December twenty sixth <laughs> for yes. friends and neighbors. Um, some families actually save some of their gift giving for the twelve days of Christmas. Some smaller gifts. Um, and especially on the Feast of the Epiphany, when we are celebrate one of the manifestations, and that's um, celebrating when the shepherd and the wise men come, that, uh, you know, have maybe some smaller gifts that are given on that day to commemorate the wise men arriving with their gifts to the manger. Um, get outdoors and enjoy even the cold creation. Mm-hmm. Um, Write cards or notes of Thanksgiving or maybe notes of light and love to people after the Christmas season to allow your heart be filled with gratitude for the people that you've been with and to send thank you notes for the ways in which people lit up your own Christmas season and thank them for their light and how they um, bring the light of Christ into your life. Certainly continue with the scriptures in the lectionary for these important days. Um, Say prayers and keep that um, music that is Christmas tide music, and we have a CD that we provide um, for Christmas tide. So to keep the season going through the music that we're listening to, um, and definitely, I would s- strongly suggest having some sort of celebration on Epiphany on January sixth that will bring conclusion to this particular season of the church year. Um, and I think that Epiphany can be a- another wonderful season to engage children as well because. You know, the story of the wise men and the angels and the shepherds and all of that are really beautiful stories that children can enter into and um, let them bring a gift for Jesus um, on Epiphany and engage in that part of the season. So I think there's lots of ways to keep the season going and to continue to celebrate the light of Jesus Christ now fully shining in our world. Well, thanks, Ruth. I loved all of those. And I would underscore that book by Bobby Gross is just so wonderful for understanding the entire uh, church year, the church calendar, and following the seasons. If you're new to this idea, I think that's a great that's a great way to start. So you want to check that out on the show notes, yep. and um, and then uh, go from there. I loved all those all those examples. So Ruth, thank you so much for uh, all your heart, all your wisdom, and for helping us move through the season of Advent and then into. The season of Christmas tide. Yeah, I really great appreciate to it. Kind of talk through the season with you, Steve. You're a really good uh, friend and conversation partner. Well, thank you. I really enjoy um, our work together and look forward to more of it. And now let's listen to just a little snippet of poetry from Mary Oliver, who's one of my favorites. And it's very brief, but it's very penetrating. She says, Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Let's do that this Christmas tide. Amen. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. And we wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications for our next Transforming Community Spiritual Formation Experience for Christian leaders. You can explore the next Transforming Community by visiting transformingcenter.org slash transformingcommunity. This podcast is a ministry of the Transforming Center and is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. 
The music on this episode comes from a recording produced by the Transforming Center called Advent Music and Solitude, which you can purchase on the website at transformingcenter.org. The scripture readings were read by Mary Martin Weens. If you've enjoyed the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, please consider leaving us a review or rating us on iTunes or wherever you listen. You can also become a partner of the podcast and get exclusive benefits by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patreon.